Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, where'd you grow up? Uh, Yuba City, California. And explains everything. Well, when I was six, we moved to Kalinga for five years, and then Belmont San Mateo on the San Francisco Peninsula. So, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes total sense. Total sense. What? Oh, I think you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me, Paul. It's a study that says how we perceive and taste wine is affected by our own culture, uh-huh. and that means everything from where we grew up and what we ate to whether the local team was any good. Uh, yeah, no, not the team. That wasn't part of it. Well, I'm pretty uh, sure of that. I, I might argue otherwise. I grew up in San Francisco with the really lousy Giants era, and I'm very <laughs> familiar with the bitterness of tears. They've had some good years. They have had some good years, and they're a bit on a run now, so fingers crossed. Also today, listeners ask whether labels and wine quality uh, are connected. I have a few questions from the food and wine scene in New York because I had such a good time there. I wanted to keep talking about it. You and just cannot shut up about I it. I cannot. It was, it's a great... You know, that, that town is going to catch on, Paul. I'm Thank telling you. <laughs> I've heard that. Also, I've heard that. Yeah, also, our horrible wine writing is rugged but fruity. <laughs> and as usual, we will be making fun of wine snobs. By the way, here we are still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. That's Sacramento's NPR station. And it's a recommended podcast lineup, which means somebody thinks we're worth recommending. And I, I've seen what else is on that lineup, and that stuff's good. Yeah, what, I don't, I don't what understand. What were they thinking? I know. We are also on Napa Broadcasting. Which is out of Napa Valley College, this where I teach, a, and it's an institution of higher learning. Well, except for the fact that you teach them. <laughs> and us. They broadcast us. Exactly. Uh, and, and, of course, we are on Facebook, Instagram. Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at Rick and Paul Wine. Go there, ask us a question anytime. <laughs> and we're going to start with uh, a pretty cool study today. Um, this one I actually really liked. In fact, I like it. You know why I like it, Paul? I have a feeling. Because you found it. <laughs> yeah. Before you start your usual, oh, I hate studies whining, guess who's sending me studies? I'm already beginning to regret it. Yeah, right? I guess. Well, you should. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, think about it. this is uh, this. I say you don't apologize for science, Paul. So this was a study <laughs> reported by Ecole Etol. Would you say that, please? Hotelier. Yeah, I my French accent is not so good. De Lausanne. It's we, the it, hotel school yes. in Lausanne, and yes. it's a big deal. It is actually one of the best, uh, most respected in the world. It's uh, it's in Switzerland. And and wouldn't they be surprised to hear themselves on our show? Uh, right now, people are getting fired. <laughs> There's somebody just walking around with pink slips. Sacre bleu! <laughs> All right. so, but this is a study that also uh, passes the sniff test in some cases, literally. So the study set out to test whether aromas affect our perception of acidity or bitterness. Which, they do. You know, but if you think yeah. about it, right, because acid or bitterness really aren't flavors you should smell. But, right. Well, so, but you and I have both had that experience of someone saying, oh, this smells sweet. Yes. Yes. And, exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, and that's what they say. So, could, you know, can things like uh, coconut or lemon affect your um, uh, sense of you, taste, your sense, of, sense of taste and smell? Because smell yeah. is taste. And the answer is um, uh, yes, they do. And the smell of coconut in the air made people perceive a Chardonnay as less acidic. Yep. So, not even just sweet, but they actually got less of that acidic bite. I think they were imagining themselves on a beach, putting on the suntan lotion, and how can you drink an acidic wine? That's that right. Point? Exactly right. They were getting yeah. a pina colada instead. Um, <laughs> and, and the smell of lemon and grapefruit made them think it was more acidic. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it turns out not everybody reacted that way. Right Is you, that right? Right you are, my yeah, city born I seem to remember this. Yeah. So a lot of it also depended on people's backgrounds, what they're used to. Of course. And, you know, for example, me, bitterness, 
I don't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this, so tasters from East and Southeast Asia, for example, did not perceive lemon or grape food as acidic or sour, right? Because that is a flavor that they grew up with. It was just part of their, you know, kids. Kids eat develop flavors uh, yep. tolerances at different points in their life, and they yep. grew up eating those foods. Yep. So, yeah. which is perfectly normal, and you know, you see it. I, I see it in music. They always do these studies about how if you listen to Mozart, the wine tastes a certain way. It doesn't work in Japan. Right. You know, it works. Right. Yeah. Right. So obviously how you grow up and what you grow up with is going to affect your perceptions as you go forward. And and really, if you think about it, why should the taste taste be any different than so many other things, right? right. Like well, in fact, said, it's, yeah. it's almost the, the, the perfect example of it. Well, in some ways, even more so because um, taste and smell go to our limbic system, which is our emotions and memories. You know, yep. I, w- I always say, the, like you said with coconut, right? Coconut immediately brings up, you know, some a beach or something, suntan lotion, and you're on right. Vacation in most cases, right? And you know, and so those are things are they're going to the memories, they're going to the things that we know, right? And 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 cl- they immediately yeah. create these emotions that come up and affect our our sense of taste and smell. Yeah, yep. there was another one, another example they used that I thought was really interesting. Um, it was kids growing up that you know, most children grow up liking sugar. You know, and that's right. Um, that's the first, and they hate bitterness, unless right. of course you're a Giants fan. You get used to it, but not in the Mediterranean regions. Uh, there, well, kid- the Giants don't play many games in the Mediterranean region. So. No, they, it's that's yeah, that's true. They get lost. They <laughs> start drinking wine, eating olives. And in fact, it's the olives that the kids eat really, really young, and right. olives are pretty bitter. And olives are bitter. Yeah, exactly. and so for for children from the that that a whole region was olives, they have a very different reaction. Um, they, you know, it's it's just like somebody who grew up eating fruity pebbles, has no ability to taste cocoa puffs. <laughs> yeah, or cocoa. Puffs. Cocoa puffs was my yeah. uh, was my cereal of choice I was, as a kid. Yeah, count, I love I love me my Count Chocula. <laughs> they may not be the best examples. <laughs> well, no, but the examples they are. Yeah. If you grow up eating drinking sweet things, that's what you're used to, and anything that varies from that's going to strike you right. as odd. Right. And don't forget, Americans love that sort of sweet tart character yeah. in wines. Yeah. And, of course, that's the definition of Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola are these high-sugar, high-acid drinks. And those wines are also quite popular. Right, right. So, in short, to quote the researcher, and in disagreeing with wine magazines and certification tests everywhere, <laughs> the way we perceive wine is intimately linked to our emotion and memory. The associations yes. of smell and taste are going to be different for each person since they arise from a person. Person's unique experience. Well, and there are two things here. One of them, Rick, is that as we've talked about before, everybody has a slightly different sensitivity or or sensitiveness to these different flavors. So one person may perceive bitterness a little more strongly than another. Whether or not they grew up with it, there are also just genetic things in our in Absolutely. our makeup right. that affect that. But of course, this plays right up against these authorities in the wine industry who insist this is the way things are. Yeah, and that, tastes like this, and this is the wine that tastes like crushed minerals that you love so crushed much. Crushed minerals, yes. that's right. Yes, um, the, yes, and you know, I mean, abundant, crushed yeah, abundant, minerals. crushed. The abundance of crushed <laughs> minerals. I'm, I'm, so that's the thing, and you know, I mean, it's we make it a bit of a joke, which is if you love it, you're right. If you hate it, you're right. But it's also that's true. no joke, right? It's it wasn't really very funny, was no. it? No. <laughs> Oh, first well, of all, it's not funny, so it's not a joke. Yes, but, but we actually believe okay. that. Horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, "If you love it, you're right. If you no, that doesn't work either." <laughs> um, so, in any case, the point being is that is for anybody who 
it ever feels like they're not agreeing with some description of, of a wine from somebody else, including the person right next right. to them. Chances are they're right. Yeah. Chances are they're right. They're yeah. perceiving something different. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All yeah. right. One other uh, note um, on cultural differences, and I like this one. We came across a magazine piece about how Parisians in particular and the French in general drink more slowly than Americans. Yes, in they general. do. Yes. yes. And, and you know, in America, there's that old tradition of the guy who walks in to watch a ball game and nurses a beer. But in France, that's the way they eat and drink. A meal is supposed to take time. You're supposed to relax, have a little conversation, eat a little, drink a little. Wait, wait, wait. You're supposed to nurse a beer while you're washing it. And the shots aren't the thing. <laughs> the shots aren't it's the thing. I can never remember well, the score. When they're, lo- <laughs> when they're losing like they're losing. Yes. Well, that's, that's a whole different that's story. That's what happens, right? Well, and, you know, that's what's, you know, like our, our friends who eat olives on the Mediterranean coast. It's that, that those places have that same culture, too. Right. Italy is service yep. is slow. And your idea is that you should have a little to drink, have a little to eat, have a little to talk. Yes. Um, and it, it does change um, sort of how you perceive receive wine as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So, uh, so I, I, I think... Uh, these we, studies we, are right. We we're, can, we're agreeing we, with these we studies. What we say is that uh, there is not uniformity in, in these sorts of things. Not uniformity, um, and Europeans eat and drink slower than Americans. Um, yes. Um, Don't forget, Rick, we invented fast food. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's us. That, would be, <laughs> that is so American. And, um, and apparently, fast drink, too. Um, well, you know, we also uh, seem to have perfected snobbery, too, though we, we find it everywhere. Oh, you find that everywhere. But we, I'll bet you we even found some in New York. Um, I did. Okay. But not go. much, to be honest. Yeah, good. Because most people had pity on us. Yeah, they and, saw you coming. Yeah. Said, oh, look, at, <laughs> look at these people. We got to No nice. fun being yes. a snob. All right. All right. Well, speaking of New York, uh, we have a couple of questions from folks there. Um, so cool. it's time for us to take a few questions. Thank you, as always, for listening to us at Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And um, if you'd like to ask us a question yourself, and I don't happen to walk into your restaurant or bar, um, you can go to rickandpaulwine.com. And by the way, if you own a restaurant or a bar, there's good chance I'll find you. <laughs> but you can also go to rickandpaulwine.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at, at Rick and Paul Wine. And look for us on Apple Podcasts if that's not where you're listening to us now. Right. Okay, so this was from Rach, uh, Raphael. And Raphael. I, we were talking before the show. A really charming guy. is a bartender at a restaurant in Hell's Kitchen called Mama Mia. Actually, Mama Mia on 43rd Southwest because okay. they put their address so, in the name. Yeah, good. Um, in any case, and he um, he he's had lived around the world, and he was thrilled to be in New York, and he wanted to come to California, and he uh-huh. loved wine. He just loved wine. Great. Uh, so this, he asked, uh, when I was there, he asked me because we were chatting and he figured out some California. And he uh-huh. says, so how different is New York wine scene from the California wine scene? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, and what did you say? I said, uh, dramatically and not at all. Uh-huh. Um, Good. As the, usual, no answer as, whatsoever. Well, that's what I tried to do. And you specialize I tried in those. To, I tried to keep him confused so he would <laughs> pour me more, more wine. That's right. Um, well, so... I mean, there are a handful of differences, and one of them mm-hmm. is is the focus of 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 sort of even sort of the main wines, which is in in we certainly saw a ton 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 of French and Italian wines on all sure. the restaurant wine lists, and even sure. on the bar lists. You know, there was a Coach de Rome, which is a white Southern France white that was a house wine, or red, a, but yes, well, the uh, white Coach de Rome, but so the, that's wh- not, the white Coach de Rome that would be white. White wine, yes, it Good. was. What I'm, I'm trying to say is we don't see a lot of that out here. Right. And, and well, there's a there is one really big significant difference between New York and California in terms of the wine scene, which is in New York there are tons of distributors, 
and nobody can have more than one location of a wine shop. Right. The so licensing an, is very different there. So there's an enormous opportunities for to sell little amounts of lots of different things. California is dominated by a couple of really big distributors and the fact that we buy a ton of our wine in either large wine shops, chains, or supermarkets. Right. Which they don't, they can't sell in a supermarket there. Right. And, uh, but there's also uh, just a larger European influence because importing is so much easier there. Well, so there's that and it's, too. There's all those Europeans there. Yeah. This, well, and then there's that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, but I think one of the other things that is different, and certainly, you know, I know you've been back there enough and you know um, that for me it felt like um, the, the bar scene, the, the wine bar scene and the restaurant scene that we talked was, was much less, there was also a less specificity. I went to a lot of really good restaurants. Restaurants where hmm. it was, you know, it was Chardonnay, Viognier. I mean, the, you know, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, whatever the wine was, a Coach the Rhone. But it wasn't the label. You know, you, uh-huh. they weren't. And I, I think that in that, and a big part of the food scene, it's it's much more about just enjoying it and not. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. we're here because we are so close to or part of so much of wine country. Yeah, well, I think there's, there's probably so, a slightly higher knowledge level. There's here. certainly always that oppor- uh, that possibility that some winemaker is going to walk into the restaurant and say, why don't you have my name on that wine yeah. as well as, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's, huh. uh, okay. so there's, there's, there's those, those two things. And, and uh, you had fun. We had fun. And they in California and Raphael, we don't have a bartender named Raphael who's a really good guy who's been all over the world. I'll bet we do. Works you just haven't That's found him, true. right? Probably there is some. All the Raphaels out there, feel free to, um, to <laughs> criticize me. So um, this one is from Jean from New Jersey. Uh-huh. We met her that evening when we were making friends at Raphael's restaurant. So you were, what, you were just sort of holding down the bar with both elbows and talking to anybody who walked well, in? my wife was there, too. Okay. But, okay. but yeah, actually, you know, I mean, that was, it's, that was, that's a nice thing about, we always talk about how wine is this sort of social level, social, you know. Yeah. And it was, you know, we were chatting and he, so what he was doing was actually taking small samples and we were, you know, and pouring us on the bar. And there's a couple of women who he came in for a, for a, a play uh-huh. from New Jersey and they were down at the end of the bar so he said well come on over and so we're all Excellent. and next thing you know well, you, got, he, you got a nice little in which going. case he is a pro he is a pro he, he was pro. he was a pro actually yeah, was very absolutely good so this was from Jean uh, and she said I love wine name removed so we don't get sued but it's a rich buttery Chardonnay oh I can guess <laughs> I okay. know I mean, yep. most people can and I asked for it in a restaurant so this is how they are not different yeah. I asked for it in a restaurant the other day in New Jersey and I thought the wine person was going to hurt himself rolling his eyes at me. <laughs> what was that about? Yeah, well, Gene, you made the mistake of asking for a wine that's popular. Yep. And you can't be one of the cool kids if you order what everybody else is ordering. Right. So you ordered one of the most popular wines in America, and as a result, the bar, the sommelier or the bartender, whoever it was, had to point out to you that, gosh, that's that's too easy a choice. That's like that's like watching Friends reruns on TV. Oh, come on. There's got to be something better than yeah. that on TV. You know, Friends is really popular right now online. I'm just well, saying. Well, it is. Yeah. It's because it's a very good show. <laughs> but that's but the problem, But that's the right? problem. Yeah. And it is – there's another, there's another thing that's, that's going on in a, in a certain uh, level or piece of the wine, quote-unquote, elite, which is that they're not supposed to like Chardonnay and they're certainly not supposed to like buttery Chardonnay. And there's, right. it's just a rule of coolness. Is right. Because they were popular, then we, yeah. we can't like these you things. You can't like them because they're too popular. Yes. And yeah. so we're, we're – Luckily, gonna... Rick, you and I will never be that popular. So people can like us yeah. as much Go as they – Go for do. it. Feel Absolutely. free to like us. We're here. We, you are totally safe. There's <laughs> like n- <enough>. no popular. <laughs> 
popularity coming here. So that's what that was about, Gene. Sorry about that one. So, All right. Well, that's it for questions for now. We will have more in just a bit. But you know what that means when we end our first round of questions. It means up next is some really horrible wine writing. Actually, you may not have known what that meant, um, but if you listen to us more than once, you realize that this really horrible wine writing thing is coming soon. And, and, wh- and what do we call our really horrible wine writing well, we feature? We call it uh, really horrible wine writing. Good name. It's a good segment name. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, all right, Paul, what do you got? Okay, check this out. This wine was aged for nine months in French oak barrels, and it has a level of 13.5% alcohol. Yum! Tasting Panel <laughs> Magazine scored it 92 points. It has a a rugged but fruity taste, as well as a dose of tannin that provides grip in the texture. Uh, okay, there's a lot of... Well, I love, first of all, rugged but fruity. Yeah. What is That's that? That's me, Rick. I'm rugged but fruity. I, I don't even mind touch that. I'm just... <laughs> I just... I just can't even get I love the that. fact that the only two actual facts... Well, they give you three facts. Yeah. Nine months in French oak. Which means... A level of 13.5 alcohol. Yeah. And... 92 points. Right, which basically saying, read, read their review because I read can't. Read their reviews because yeah. we got nothing to say about uh, this. There is no description. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what kind of wine it is. My only guess is it's probably red because it says tannin and it says that it was aged for nine months and that's thought, longer than most white wines go into barrel. So yeah. it could be some kind of red wine, Rick. Oh. And, and and a rugged but fruity and one. And it's rugged that. but fruity, yeah. Well, you, you don't hear a lot of rugged but fruity whites. I think you've, I think you've nailed the color anyway. I got the color, baby. Yeah. Well, okay, so mine is the exact opposite, speaking of color. Yes. This is one of those, you know, I say this a lot, those, that, that wine writer that seems to be trying to pass a, a certification test or He's, show off or something. He gave the horse a little free rein, and it ran right away from him. Yes. So this one is dark garnet in a glass. I also love that, by the way. Yes. In the glass. Yeah, because if it were on the table. It's a whole different color. Color, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you hold it in your hand, it's blue. <laughs> it's like totally blue. Yeah. So dark garnet in a glass. This wine is highly aromatic with notes of ripe black cherry, bing cherry, anise, licorice, shaved dark chocolate. I wonder how they knew it was shaved. Yeah. Rosemary and charred meat. Oh, yeah. The entry is immense with bright raspberries and fresh cherries, dried cherries, maraschino cherries, <laughs> <laughs> transitioning to a mid-palate of amaretto, sandalwood, and hints of high mountain forest and coastal scrub. <laughs> Texture tannins. High mountain and forest and coastal, coastal scrub. scrub. That, doesn't that describe us? <laughs> I'm high mountain forest and you're coastal scrub. Uh, well, yeah, kind of. Texture tangents of toasted coconut round out the palate as the way out of it going on. Uh, dear Lord. Yeah, <laughs> I was, like the fact that it was fresh cherries, dried cherries, and maraschino cherries. So then he's got all these cherry flavors, and then it, it, it is like flavors that are not even close. Yep. And then, but it's got hints of transitioning to a mid palate of amaretto and sandalwood. So what is a hint of a what does a high mountain forest smell like? Um, it, trees. It, is it different from a low mountain forest? Well, it depends on where. Well, that's true, too. I mean, yeah, I, su- I assume that a trees. high mountain forest in the Himalayas smells different than a high mountain forest. Certainly a high mountain forest in the Andes. Well, as a study shows than... us, if you grew up in that forest, it would that's smell what it different smells like. for sure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but coastal scrub. Uh, yes. 
Uh, this this that one coastal was just... scrub isn't that what isn't that the Giants farm team the coastal scrubs? <laughs> no, that was that was that was my little league team. Paul. <laughs> okay, and I do like the, the the lineup of cherries there. Yes, it's like he's going. I don't know what it is. Let me just go for cherries. <laughs> cherries. <laughs> All right. Could have just said cherries, but he yeah. wasn't. He was getting paid by the word. Uh, he had to throw. Apparently, in a few it was. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to try to recover from that and answer a couple more questions. And don't. Forget you somebody's going to write us and ask what coastal scrub ask is. Ask us a question: What coastal scrub is? Maybe we'll just we'll just answer it on our next question. So this one's from Robert in New York. Yet another bartender I met. Excellent. This was at the Oyster Bar at Grand Central Station. Oh, and you by the way, hanging out some cool places. This is a cool spot. Yeah, yeah it and is. you know, you know how I know this is cool because I posted about this on Facebook, and all my restaurant friends say, "Yeah, my favorite place." Yeah, yeah. These yeah. are and these are like the good chefs and the people. Well, who, because it's yeah, because it awesome. is a cool. Even if the food wasn't good, it's a cool place to hang out. It is. And and it is good. Good room, food's good. Yep. Has this old sort of this old school yep. feel to it. Yep. It's just a great. And, and yep. so Robert was a great guy, another outstanding bartender. Um, and uh, this is what he said. Uh, he said, "We have a lot of respect for Napa Valley wines here, but when I was in San Francisco, I met more than one sommelier or bartender who talked about Napa wines like they were jug wine. What's going on out there?" Well, I think that you should connect um, um, what is his name, Robert, Robert? with Gene because yeah. it's basically the same story. Yeah, yeah, which it's is true. Napa Valley wines are so popular in California and so good that anybody who's really into the business has to show off how smart they are by saying, you know, they're not that. Good. I mean, I know stuff that's better than that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just uh, it's a wasteful attitude, and it doesn't do anything except make the person who adopts that attitude look like a jerk. Well, even more than that is if you're running a restaurant and that's your wine list, you're hurting your business. Well, that too. You know, and it is it is the the other piece of that is the um, it, the anti local. You know, and it doesn't matter how good your local wine region is, you are a cooler psalm if you care what the other psalms think you know, by is, having something from far away. It is funny that when you go to the wine-producing regions of Europe, if you go to Tuscany or you go to Bordeaux or you go to Burgundy— All local. Try ordering a wine from somewhere else. Right, right. Ain't going to happen. Right. But go to any good restaurant in San Francisco and you will find that— Half the list is from other places. I don't mind that. I think it's great. But it's a little crazy when they end up having no local wines. Which is they, often the case. Which is sometimes the case. Right. And it just shows that they're provincial in the worst possible way. Yeah. And so maybe to answer our, our silly question earlier about did we, we did, do we corner the market on snobbery, we're, we may be getting there, unfortunately. Yeah. We're, we're, it's the coastal scrubs who it's, are doing that's that. That's who's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it was. That's basically what I told him was. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the, we hate ourselves. What a bunch of maroons. Yep. All right. Well, this is actually from a local question. This is Cheryl in Sacramento. Oh, good. And she says— well, We have to answer this one or she'll come down I to the know. station and she, do she something. find us. Is there any correlation between the kind of label and wine quality? I mean, should I be suspicious of a wine with cool labels or cartoons and the like? Or is it, is it the other way around? If it's a Chateau something, is it stuffy? I would say that 50 years ago that might have helped, but these days so many different wineries are trying so many different things with labels. You cannot judge a book by its cover, and I think it's pretty hard to judge a wine by its label. You know, I've been to Chateau something. They were very nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's true. And and actually, um, I think there's there's probably one 
Well, I don't know that there is a rule. I mean, there's some there's some labels, some some wines out there that are using their label to send their message. There's a sure. wine called Buttle. There's a wine called Rebuttal. They're different, right. you know. There's that sort of thing, and so um, there's some of that that you can actually get off of the cover of the book, <laughs> but, but that's about it. It's, yeah, it's pretty it's hard. Not much. And, yeah. and there are some spectacular wines that have labels that would surprise you that yeah. are not particularly stylish. And there are some very stylish labels that go on wines that aren't very interesting. And, you know, it's just yeah. like people. You look at them and you don't really know until you get to know them. Yeah, and... and uh, what I mean, I, there are people who think Rick is actually kind of a decent... They don't, they don't know me very they well. They don't know though. you very no, well. Once they get that's past... The key. That's key. If I it. keep moving, you're, if I just you're stay labeling, limber. Your labeling is good, Rick. <laughs> that's right. It's the content <laughs> they, inside. They, they, they're like dinky, dinky little ball guys. Um, the, uh, <laughs> but... So the so the the short answer really is um, it's okay if you like the label and that's a reason to buy the wine go for it too well you know why not if yeah. you know if you're just guessing at a wine you know yeah. at least you like the label I mean let's be fair <laughs> when you and I walk into a wine shop and don't recognize any of the wines we're ultimately making our decision based on label now some of it's what the label says right. But yeah, yeah, uh, totally true. So, but yep. yeah, but it, and that I, not even fifty years ago, more like fifteen, where there was sort of this change of where we were, we're showing we're popular and eat not popular but easy drinking by being friendly by being the, by critter. Yes, critter yeah, but not. But that's not true anymore. I, I know some really expensive, really delicious, really sophisticated, really less sophisticated wines that all have the same sort of labels. So yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, look at that, Paul. There's another show, Down the Tubes. <laughs> Down the yes, Tubes. Uh, that is, thank you for listening to Ball Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is Anthony Van Hook. Anthony is still there in the, in the booth. He's a very patient man. Thank you, Anthony. Our associate producer is Jerry Marin. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for letting us in the studio yet one more time and including us on their lineup. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at, at Rick and Paul Wine. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's that we all bring our own background to wine and food and everything. And that's a good thing. Unless you're a snob. Right. Snob, bad, every everybody else, good. Just fine as you are. I'm Rick Cushman. <laughs> and I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us.